right, what's happening, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Philly Experience Podcast. My name is Max Kretzel, joined by Tanner Gilmartin and Tyre Hood. Guys, I think one of the biggest things here before we get into all this stuff in the previous week that we just went through. What the hell is going on? We want to mention today. We want to touch on the Phils and how poorly they've been playing. Those are the two major things we want to discuss today. But before we get into it, I got to ask you guys not only how you're doing, but also, man, Joel Embiid, what was the thought process when he went down with that with that knee injury? Um. Oh shit! <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't. There was literally, there's literally nothing else that was going through my mind. It was literally like, oh no, there goes my, there goes my parade down Broad Street. He's okay, but we'll get into that a little later. Honestly, my thoughts weren't as dramatic. I thought maybe just a little shaken up. Um, I was thinking he would return maybe in the fourth. Um, but for me, maybe they decided to, um, now I know he gets an MRI today. Maybe they decided to keep him out of the contest. Um, you're looking at it. It's not the most important game for the Sixers, uh, and Joel Embiid, obviously the most important player for the Sixers, maybe to keep him out of the contest, uh, make sure he doesn't get re-injured and just start again next game, game five. Well, I will say this. Before we go further with the Sixers, I got to say, I'm rocking the Phil's hat. I know a lot of people out there are down about it, so you got the jersey on. I'm not down on this team yet. I'm not. I know a lot of people want to throw in the towel, but listen, we got, we, we'll got we dive in that discussion second part of the show. Uh, I just wanted to throw that out there for our viewers who are watching us. I'm still with this squad. Hopefully you guys are too, but we'll touch on that later on. As far as the Sixers go, 122-114 to 114 loss the previous night. To the Wizards, you had you know obviously Russell Westbrook doing his thing with all the triple double and blah blah whatever. I mean, he shot three and nineteen from the floor. I think we just that third quarter. You know, when we finished up and we were heading to the fourth, that third quarter we were outscored thirty-two to nineteen. That's pretty pretty much what killed us. Uh, We came out pretty flat out of the halftime. Fourth quarter, we had some flashes from a few players. We had flashes of you know Furkan Korkmaz and a couple big shots. We know Tyrese Maxey had a nice big dunk and uh, also a couple steals, I believe. So he was playing well. George Hill had a pretty efficient game, had a couple threes in the corner there um, and was able to get to the free throw line. But, you know, the end of the game there, and I know this is where T comes in, he wants to rip Ben Simmons. Of course, missing a ton of free throws. He shot five of 11 from the uh, free throw line. And a lot of people want to come out today and uh, talk about Ben Simmons as far as should Doc Rivers have either pulled him out of the game uh, late in the ball game, um, or just let Ben Simmons continuously get fouled and put at the free throw line. Now, coming into the series, or excuse me, coming into game four, he was 0 for 10 and was able to finally make his first free throw uh, last night, uh, late in that fourth quarter when he went to the free throw line. But when you think about just the game in general and kind of take it any direction you want to go, if you want to just start with the Ben Simmons drama at the end or kind of look big picture here, where, where does your mind take you first? Okay, well, I'm just gonna rip this band-aid off right now. Um, Sounds like we know where T's going. Oh, I, oh, you, you should know automatically when I, where I was going. Um, ben Simmons is useless. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Ben Simmons is straight up useless. All right, <laughs> <laughs> no uncertain terms. I don't care at this point. Don't care, Tanner. Don't send me no more goddamn videos. Don't do it. No more. I'm done. Look, Ben Simmons single-handedly cost us the game yesterday. With his inevitability of not shooting from any damn where. Not just from the field, but from the goddamn free throw line. This is absolutely ridiculous. Seriously. Six, six of 11. Six, no, five of 11. Five of 11. Five of 11 from the free throw line. Are you freaking kidding me? That's six points. Six free points. That is, that's two threes. All right? That's... Three shots from the field goal, but they were free, uncontested, unblocked. What the hell? Seriously. And we had a nerve to pay this man a max contract. Elton Brand, you stinking idiot. Are you bleeping kidding me? This is, oh, oh, I'm so frustrated. If Ben Simmons, that's the one thing that holds him back. I said this. From the very beginning of the playoffs, I said the Sixers can go as far as Ben Simmons can take him. Why? Because he is going to be the blessing and the curse of this Sixers team. 
And unfortunately, it's coming to fruition. Now, the first three games, we did not have to worry about the Hackabin because the Sixers were dominating the Wizards. It wasn't until last night, as we're recording this, all right, Monday night, when the Sixers had a chance to close out the series. They had a chance to sweep this team for the first time in the franchise long and long tenure time in existence. All right. You had the chance to close the doors. I understand Embiid got hurt. All right. Everybody got scared when Embiid got hurt. But when Embiid gets hurt, that means I need my other superstars who I'm paying this money to, all this money to, to step up to the plate. That means Tobias Harris. I need you to step up. Ben Simmons. I sure as hell need you to step up. All right. I've seen what you can do without Embiid on the floor. This is a man who scored over 40 points in a game when Embiid wasn't playing and completely dominated the game with just his sheer presence. With just him dominating in the paint. Just driving to the lane. Driving to the hoop. This is ridiculous. This is horrible that I can't get this. I can't get that type of production out of my superstar when my franchise player goes down. I need this out of these players. All right. There's no excusing Tobias Harris. Tobias, Tobias Harris even admitted, look, didn't have the best game. Didn't step up. Ben Simmons, on the other hand, everybody wants to make excuses for him. Look, look, look. And the, the, <laughs> why is Doc Rivers making excuses for Ben Simmons? But he criticized Tobias Harris in his post-conference last night. Look, I, I got some of the notes right here. So, of course, everybody was going in about Ben Simmons and his production. All right. This is what Doc Rivers said. You guys keep this Ben Simmons narrative going, which is freaking insane. Ben is not a 40-point guy. I just don't understand why this is not sinking in in this city. If I'm Ben, I'm getting tired of it. He also goes on to say, Ben, we are going to keep him on the floor, talking about Ben Simmons possibly taking Ben Simmons off in a close game in the playoffs. Unless you guys want us to bench him the whole game. If anybody wants us to do that, just let me know. Then I'll know you don't know basketball. Now you got nerd to be getting chippy. Doc, you're a smart dude. Doc, you're a smart dude. You, you know better. Doc, it, it, it does not take the smartest person in the world to understand that Ben Simmons is a liability at the end of the games. And you finally saw that come to fruition last night. Finally. And unfortunately, it, it, it turned out bad for the Sixers. This needs to be fixed. I'm sorry. You cannot have Ben Simmons out there on the court at the end of games. You can't do it. It's going to lose you games into in the playoffs. And God forbid, like last night, you don't have him beat. This is going to cost you against close games. When we go up against Milwaukee or when we go up against Brooklyn, this is going to cost you. If Ben Simmons does not step up in some way, shape, or form on this team, this team will not go to the NBA Finals. I'm done. Sheesh. Okay, T. Um, I mean, I'm not gonna be. Uh, I'm not gonna go as far as T here. I don't think Ben Simmons is useless. I think he is definitely a valuable asset on it. Max, we were here maybe two years ago when T and Chris wanted to trade Ben Simmons for a pack of cookies or whatever it was. But for me, okay, Ben Simmons had a very bad game. I noticed be a noticeably bad game in an important time in the game at the free throw line. We mentioned it before when he sucked at the free throw line, I believe he went. Oh, six game. Was that game one? Mm-hmm. And that's when I said, I hope he's just staying in the gym for hours and hitting those free throws until he's comfortable with the amount that he's hit. But he was relatively good at the free throw line midway through the season. And now the playoffs come around and he just cannot make a free throw. Um, It's like Shaq stepping up to the line now. Um, And Ben Simmons is a much better player than that. And for this, T, you're right. For this Sixers team to be able to win, Ben Simmons has to be on his game. I don't think, I think the only difference made is when, when it comes to crunch time like this, maybe take Ben Simmons off court. But for Doc Rivers to get really aggravated with reporters and the, and the questions and interviews like this, I don't think that's the right approach because there this is a problem and needs to be addressed. And Ben Simmons is a guy who, by game three, he was averaging 14 points a game, over nine rebounds a game, and over 10 assists uh, per game in these in these three games. 
he had an off game, but it definitely is noticeable how bad he is at the free throw line, and that needs to be fixed. It's the playoffs. I mean, listen, it's the playoffs. It's a lot different. I mean, that's the key word here. You do whatever you want on a regular season. You want to put up nine rebounds. You want to put up eight assists. You want to put up 20 points. You want to put up 42 points against the Jazz on the road. Go ahead and do that. But this everything is magnified in the playoffs. Uh, right. Tobias Harris, same thing. And uh, I think with the thing with Ben Simmons is uh, when he does stuff in the regular season, it kind of teases us down the stretch and uh, things, things that we come accustomed to as far as, oh, we saw it once. Why can't he do that more consistently? I think that's where the frustration lies. Right. And it's it can't be good for his confidence when a team is deliberately targeting him to hit the line because he is so awful at it. And he has to know it. And I hope he really is staying uh, on the court late shooting free throws, because how else is he going to get better And what you should do? Do you know what you should do? Work on it. If it's a mental block in your head, that's what's going on. Then seek whatever mental help that you need to get to unblock yourself. From whatever, from whatever stopping you from becoming this great player. The reason why Ben Simmons got paid all that money and the reason why we put a whole lot of pressure on Ben Simmons is because we see the damn potential. There's a reason why people are calling him the next LeBron. I hate doing that. I hate comparing players to players. But it's true. If Ben Simmons develops a jump shot, he will be unstoppable. And that right there is the main issue. He knows this, and he's got to know this in the back of his head. And if it frustrates you, and if it bothers you that teams are going to start pinpointing you as a weakness, you know what you should do? Hit the goddamn gym. Hit the gym. Do better. See, there's definitely some mental, I feel like some mental fear for Ben Simmons. I think another thing you have to look at is the habits, right? This is, what, five years now? One of them was injured, uh, or he was injured. I get that. But the longer you continue with bad habits, it's just like anything else. You continue to smoke and become a smoker five, eight, seven, eight. You know, it's harder to break. It's harder to break those habits. It's ridiculous. And without shooting that 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 jump shot uh, mid-range three ball in the regular season, that's where you got to work on your game. And the longer he goes in his career without doing it, the harder it is I can see w- with him, you know, trying to or even be willing to take that jump shot. But one of the things I think I have to point out also is Ben Simmons on the road is a different player than when he's at home. They had an interview with uh, Joel Embiid that the national guys had him on uh, a couple games ago. I think game two, maybe game three of the series. They said, what is it about playing on the road that you like? He's like, I feel like I play better on the road because I need to bring that energy um, when those fans boo me and things like that. We actually heard MVP chants in an opposing team's arena the other night. And I think with Ben Simmons, we see him on the fast break. We see him throw dunks down at home at the Wells Fargo Center. We see him flex on people, uh, you know, scream, yell, things like that. But when he's on the road, I feel like it's a different animal. I don't see that same kind of intensity. And you have the inconsistency problem as well. Like Tanner mentioned, 0 is 6 from the free throw line. Six points in game one. Comes back 22 points. Looks like a completely different player in game two. And I think another thing about it is we don't want to play the Wizards five times. I think I know Joel Embiid got hurt. I get it. But we're still a better team even with Joel Embiid than the Wizards, in my opinion. I get it. They had two superstar players. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's a game where – when you're trying to go up against Milwaukee, who, listen, they made quick work of the Miami Heat in the first round. Quicker work than I expected. I think you guys probably as well. Brooklyn, they lost a game to Boston. They got to play an extra game against the Celtics that I'm sure they don't want to have to play. And now the Sixers have to play another game against the Wizards, which I understand. Joel Embiid got hurt, and that's the thing we have to mention with his health. But at the end of the day, it's not a situation where you want to have to play that extra game, especially with the health of Joel Embiid and just – being able to get that rest. We came in here pretty well rested uh, with our last regular season game. Uh, I think with the Orlando Magic and then having maybe a five to seven game uh, layoff as far as in between when we started the playoffs uh, and when the regular season ended. And I think going forward now with Ben Simmons, free throw shooting is my thing. I think, I think with the three point shooting and the field goal percentage at this point, the longer we go, the, the less we expect Ben Simmons to shoot the basketball. And I think I'm a little – with Tanner's point is I know that he, he he brings so much to the table. See, I get it. I know you're thinking about that potential where if he just develops that shot, he can be a top-five player in the league. So I see both sides of the argument here. But when we look at today, present day today against Washington Wizards, game four, that's present day right now, not future, not past. I really just wanted Ben Simmons to be able to shoot the free throw percentage at a higher clip because if you're not going to be able to shoot the three, if you're not going to be able to shoot the midi, you want to get your assist, get your rebounds, go ahead. But if they put you on the free throw line, 
and you're supposed to be a superstar player. You're supposed to be a max player. You're supposed to be a leader. You got to be able to go up there and make 80% at the free throw line. Not hundred percent. I mean, I get it. You're going to miss some, but when you're what is he shooting around 60% from the free throw line, maybe even worse than that. I think you just have to be able to get up to that 80% clip. And that just speaks to, is he working enough in the off season in the gym? I think he is working enough in the off season. I'm not, I'm not going to question his work ethic on that. As much as it pisses me off when Tanner does send those videos to me, I'm not going to question the fact that he's not working. I do think, though, that there's some sort of mental block going on with Ben Simmons. The thing of it is, the great ones have to overcome those things. He's good, but I want Ben Simmons to be great. This team needs him to be great. This team, That's the only way this team is even going to even sniff the finals, let alone win in the finals. Ben Simmons has got to be great. We know what we're going to expect out of Joel Embiid. For the most part, we know what, it, what we're going to expect out of Tobias Harris. It's Ben Simmons. We know what he's got. We know the type of game that he brings. We know that he's a facilitator on offense. We know he's the one that gets the offense going. Love that about him. I love the fact that he's a defender as well. He is willing to defend any and everybody he goes up against. I'm not arguing that. He, <laughs> The great ones somehow or some way are able to tap into like this reserve of game that at the when it's needed for their team, boom, they tap into it and they will their team to victory. I need to see that out of Ben Simmons. I see it in him. I just need him to bring that out. And whatever mental blocks is going on that he needs to overcome, dude, you got to do what you got to do to overcome it because otherwise you're just another liability on the team. And quite honestly, it's – it's the, it's the scenario last night that kind of convinced me and Chris about what we said all, you know, those, those years ago about Ben Simmons, honestly, it's this scenario right here presenting itself. I can find another facilitator who does the same thing Ben does to a certain degree. I can find another, another point, an actual point guard, but I, I know the potential Ben Simmons has. I'm not saying that I, I'm giving up on him. I'm not. I'm I'm not there yet. But it's scenarios like this that really irritate me and brings me close to that point. I think uh, the thing with Ben Simmons is that he already has uh, the three-point playing against him. He can't shoot the three. And now you add on to the free throws. And it's because the weaknesses are starting to stack on top of each other that it's becoming more apparent that Ben Simmons has a problem. Um, he, he, why, why is, why doesn't he develop a jump shot yet? Why, why is he so bad at the free throw right now? And people start to ignore that he is up for defensive player of the year. Um, the amount uh, of change he puts into a game just on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, he, he's a special player and this, it, it's not unwarranted for, for people to be concerned about how Ben Simmons is playing right now because of the free throw. But I think maybe uh, people are pressing the panic button a little too soon. And then that's just my opinion. I don't know how you think, Max. Well, I agree. I think people are pan- pushing the panic button too soon, but there's a lot of people in the media that say, listen, relax. It's one game. You know, let's get them in game five. We're going to beat this team in five games. Who cares? I'm on the other side of the coin with that. I wanted to step on this team's neck beat him in four games and move on a lot of, and, and I get some people are like, Oh, you know, we, we got three games to spare the, the I'm telling you right now, playing extra games in the playoffs, it takes a toll on it. You've already played 72 games in a regular season. The more, and again, the thing that bothers me is it's the wizards. I mean, it's the wizard. If this is a game where you're facing Brooklyn, you're trying to, you're trying to knock them out in six games. Ah, oh, we got a force at seven. That's tough. The Washington wizards are a team. You just got to beat. Here's the thing I want to bring up because we hear a lot of things in the media and I don't want to be, you know, I don't want the podcast to be everything what other people say. I want to bring up a point here and see if you guys agree with it. Robin Lopez last night plays 19 minutes, scores 16 points when Joel Embiid uh, gets hurt, going up against an undersized Mike Scott, um, shoots 8 of 11 from the field. Alex Land and Anthony Gill, two guys off their bench, they play one minute and two minutes respectively. They go with a three-man bench with Neto, Ish Smith, and Robin Lopez. So let me bring this guys. Uh, let me bring this question up to you guys. If Tony Bradley's a sixer last night, did the Sixers win that game? It definitely increases the possibility because I tell you something right now. Mike Scott ain't shit, all right. Mike Scott is useless. That's who I really should have said was useless. I, I, I was a little angry when I came on. Mike Scott is completely useless. All right. What, what, what is the point of having Mike Scott on an NBA court at this point? 
Man can't shoot. Man can't defend. Man can't even be an enforcer when we need to when somebody's bullying one of our superstars. Mike Scott is useless as a tonsil. All right? Mike Scott ain't shit. All right? Straight up point blank. <laughs> Tony Bradley yeah. would have helped out immensely. Yes. Yes. Could he have been the difference between us celebrating the fact that we swept the Wizards versus us having to play the Wizards on Wednesday night? Hell yeah. Yeah, the answer to my to your question, Max, is yes. Um, th- this would have been a different game if we had Tony, if the Sixers had Tony Bradley. And to T's point about Mike Scott, you know it's bad when Mike Scott checks into the game and you're like, oh, I forgot about Mike Scott. Um, it's he's not the same Mike Scott as two seasons ago. How he was really important when the Sixers got him, and I, I just. I, I really don't see the reason, and I obviously we don't see the production from Mike Scott. There's there's multiple points to the argument because you have on the flip side of the coin you have George Hill played really well last night, three of five from beyond the arc. You say to yourself, all right, if we give up Tony Bradley, of course we get George Hill, but if we keep Tony Bradley, we don't get George Hill. My question to you guys is: We've seen Tyrese Maxey and Shake Milton going completely opposite directions this season. Shake Milton started out hot and he's completely fallen off a cliff as the months went on the regular season now. In the playoffs, he can't even score the basketball at all. Tyrese Maxey started out pretty slowly, didn't even really get playing time, so I can't really blame the guy. But as he's gotten more and more incorporated into the offense, he's taken uh, you know leaps and bounds uh, in his game. And I feel like if we were sitting here today, back at that trade deadline, do you think we pull the trigger on that Tony Bradley deal, knowing that we have you know at this point Tyrese Maxey, a pretty competent backup point guard, probably not as good of a shooter as George Hill is, but a guy that can defend at a high level. He's really active and quick and can still score at a high level because I know people want to sit here and say, Tony Bradley, you know, Joel Embiid gets hurt. He goes down. The Sixers have no shot in hell of winning anyway, which is a good point. Of course, your MVP candidate gets hurt. You're really not going to beat the Nets or the Bucks. But in a situation like last night, Tony Bradley helps you in that situation. You don't have to probably go to a game five against a pretty shitty team. Let's be honest with ourselves. So at the end of the day, uh, I, I heard, you know, not just me personally, but around, you know, we hear these other media outlets and things like that. When Tony Bradley traded, I wasn't the only one who really liked Tony Bradley. I know you guys did too. And when we got George sure. Hill, of course, that was kind of around the time we were thinking about, oh, maybe Kyle Lowry comes to Philly, maybe. But we ended up getting rid of Tony Bradley. And I thought, you know, Dwight Howard, uh, God forbid something happens to Joel Embiid. And this is one of those situations where if he's done for the year, of course, it's a completely different story. But he's only done for hopefully one game and missed it. But it's a completely different situation where you have Dwight Howard, who we know is a bench guy. I mean, at this point in his career, he's older. Tony Bradley, of course, was starting when Joel Embiid would miss games earlier in the season. So for for you guys, I just wanted to raise that question. I know it's probably a little ridiculous. Probably people are listening. It's like, oh, Tony Bradley, you're really going to throw this on the Sixers? But yeah, I am throwing a little bit game four on on the Sixers as far as if we had some backup talent. Um, you you know, the, the outcome might have been different. I want to ask you guys this last point here before we move on. And talk about this rotation. Of course, you guys can take it um, and add anything on or your final thoughts. But I want to talk to you guys about the rotation because I kind of mentioned it a little bit there with Scott Brooks, who I think he's got a lot of flack, of course, former Oklahoma City Thunder head coach. He's really made some adjustments in the series to help his team as best he can. Of course, he's really undermanned as far as talent-wise. But he shortened his bench. Alex Lennon was getting a hell of a lot more minutes early on in the series. He only played one minute last night. Robin Lopez, of course, got a little bit more time uh, on the court. But for Doc Rivers... You want to look at last night. I think he went 11 or 12 deep, and let me read it off to you right now. I got 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 players came in the game last night for the 76ers. That includes uh, Milton, Korkmaz, Dybul, Howard, Scott, Maxey, and George Hill. Now, a lot of that could be due to the fact Joel Embiid got hurt. People need to do a little shifting and changing. I get that. But at the end of the day, would you like to see Doc Rivers maybe shrink that bench, or do you think to yourselves, we're playing the Wizards, maybe we just need more players to get more time and Kind of spread out the minutes. Shrink that bench, man. Shrink that bench, man. You you had Mike Scott last night who played 17 minutes and didn't score a goddamn thing. All right. Shrink the bench. All right. If you got to run the White Howard. Run the White Howard into the ground. All right. At least I know what I'm <laughs> at least I know what I'm getting on defense. I already know what I'm run getting him from the him. Ground, let, me, let me tell you something. At least I know what I'm getting from him at the free throw line and from the field. I know what I'm getting out of him. But I also know where he contributes, and that is defensively in the paint. And that's what I need when Joel Embiid's out. All right? Mike Scott ain't shit. All right? He didn't do anything for me last night. He, as a matter of fact, he was, he was another liability. That's all I'm saying. Look, George Hill contributed for 14 points. You obviously going to give him minutes. 
All right. Thibault on the defensive side of the ball, his shooting started to really get really good as well. He went three from six, two five from the free from the three point line. All right. Cork Moss actually contributed a little bit. It Shake Shake about to Shake about to get no minutes at all at this rate. All right. Shake Shake gotta get himself together. Yeah. Seriously. I, I think Thibel probably Thibel at 15 minutes. I think he needs more. I mean, we give yeah. him 122 points to the Wizards. I, I feel like that's unacceptable. I think Thibel playing 15 minutes wasn't enough. I think he should be out there more. He's our probably our one of not. I think he's one of the better defenders in the league. He is. Uh, to be honest with you, not only on our team, but I would have liked to see him out there. I know his offensive game still is coming to him. He's getting his feet under him. As time goes on, I think he'll get a lot better. But I don't want to see Corkmaz out there anymore. I don't want to see Shake Milton out there anymore. I don't want to see uh, Mike Scott out there anymore, of course. But, I mean, Cork Moss is one of those players where, listen, he'll have a game where he looks like, wow, this guy is a legit rotational piece. Then he'll have a game where he airballs a couple threes. Last night in the fourth quarter, I'll give him credit. He had a couple nice baskets. He had a, a big three. Uh, he had a nice running floater on the baseline. But then when it's crunch time, when we need him to knock down a wide-open three from the top of the key, he misses it. And basically, at that point, the game was out of reach. Can you imagine um, after that? So. Can you imagine having Matisse Thibel as like a Clay Thompson piece? Like, seriously, because that's where I envision him with the way he plays defense. And if he really gets that outside three point shot together, like he can straight up be a Clay Thompson for us. And that's yeah, scary. 3 and D. 3 yes. and D player. Yes. Like that, that is severely needed on this team. I don't, I, if Thibel can really hit that three point shot, especially develop it in the offseason, oh my God. I would just want to say this real quick before I get Tanner's final thoughts on the on the subject. Remember, we traded away Zaire Smith from Michael or is Michael Bridges for Zaire Smith. Just remember that. Oh God. So he's a solid three D oh, player with the Suns right now. We could really use him. Uh, Go ahead, Tanner. Last thoughts here. Okay. Oh, I think low life. I think the bench can be limited a little bit, but you go to uh, Furcon Max and he just missed one one three point shot. He was he was fifty percent, um, but. Guys like Mike Scott, they yeah, they don't deserve to be on the court. And there's a much better way to earn points on the court than to have Mike Scott out there just taking up space. And we can't really run uh, Dwight Howard to the ground yet, T, because we don't know how Joel Embiid's going to do. Run him to but I'll tell ground. you what, in this next in Game Five, Bertans he's out. Uh, he's going to be out four to six weeks um, with his injury. So that's. That's going to help a little bit. I mean, this is a guy who really struggled the first game, uh, zero points, and then he was he fouled out, but he started picking up. I believe he had 15 points in in game four in, in this last game, so that that's going to help the Sixers out a little bit. Um, but for the Wizards to try to match up against the Sixers with height and stuff like that, it it hasn't really worked. But this game, you go into the first half of this past game, game four, and the Sixers were 27% from three. That's definitely got to pick up. Um, and, that, and that's for a future, too, for um, the, the next round to come. You have to start out strong with the three because then teams are going to utilize that against you, and they're going to be using the three, and they're going to be covering you up on defense, and, and it's going to be a hard game for the Sixers. And, and this is a team that's really excelled in the three when they need, when they want to, but they pick up guys like you have Tobias Harris. You give him the amount of money uh, that the Sixers gave him to be that three point shooter. Um, you already have Ben Simmons who doesn't shoot from three. Um, Joel Embiid can. Um, it's you know he's a center. He really shouldn't be the guy that you're dishing out to on the arc to shoot that three. But it happens. You got Shake Milton, who used to be that guy, um, and other guys around that. The three is, in my opinion, the most important shot. Of course, I think one thing before we get out of here and talk about uh, and move on, I should say, to the Phillies is the fact that the Hawks are no pushover. That's it's looking like we're going to have to face them in the next round. They got Trey Young, they got John Collins, DeAndre Hunter. They got some legit pieces there, um, and uh, I, I think they could give the Sixers problems. We'll see what happens with Joel Embiid. I think, obviously, if he plays, I think the Sixers are a finals contender. Uh, and if he doesn't, there's there's no question they, they could lose in the next round against uh, the Atlanta Hawks. But uh, for now, we'll leave it there. Come back next week, hopefully, talk about a Sixers win against the Wizards and their series, and maybe uh, one or two against the Atlanta Hawks at that point, depending on if they can get past the New York Knicks. Um, from, from one team that's pretty pretty hot in this town right now to a team that's really not, is the 25 and 29 Phillies. I know this is a team we oh, haven't really no! you know, dove a ton deep into in recent weeks, but today we figure, you know what, 
it, it's it's time. It, it's really time to talk about this Phillies team. And um, you look at, you know, every week talk about the hitting. You know, the hitting struggle last week. You know, the, uh, the pitching struggle last week, but they get back on track. This is going on, you know, two, three weeks now where the Phillies have not hit. Uh, they haven't really pitched consistently as well. And it's time to look at Joe Girardi. And I think mutually uh, from a fan base standpoint, because we, there's definitely people who look at Joe Girardi um, and don't like him. For whatever reason, they don't like Joe Girardi. He has the winning pedigree in New York, but it's almost like people expect so much out of Joe Girardi um, being uh, probably uh, one of the better managers uh, over the past decade with wins and things like that. But um, with you guys right here, we want to pinpoint issues, and I guess I'll start uh, and introduce everything because you look at you know injuries. We'll get to start with the injuries. You have Bryce, who's injured. Hasn't really been the same player since he got hit in the face a couple weeks ago. JT's been out two weeks. He's just getting his feet back underneath of him, coming back into the lineup and catching. Um, Reese Hoskins, uh, not injured, but playing better baseball as of late. So I want to give him a quick shout out for, you know, being almost a leader when people are out. Didi Gregorius is a guy we haven't really heard anything in the media about. You know, we see him working on the field. He's fielding ground balls, but he can't really throw because he's still got, you know, that elbow issue. So, when you look at the lineup and what we've had to put out there, it's really not ideal, but this thing's spiraling out of control quickly for this team. And I, I want to ask you guys, the issues go in multiple directions, but the number one issue for this team right now is what? Ooh, well, if you want my personal opinion, the number one thing that's harping this team, no pun intended. I'm not talking about Bryce Harper yet. It's accountability, honestly. There is no accountability with this Phillies team at all. There is none. If a player is struggling, that player will stay in that position. They will continue playing, and Girardi will not make a change. Now, I understand there's not really a whole lot of people that you can really go to on the bench, but damn it, you got to do something to change this lineup up. Like, it shouldn't have taken this long for Andrew McCutcheon to finally drop in the lineup. It should not have taken this long. The man is batting below 200. Why has it taken this long to drop him in the lineup? If you're supposed to be this coach that we, this manager that we expect you to be, this, this, this World Series winning coach, and I mean, manager, and it's, it should not take a rocket scientist to kind of shift the rotation around. Okay. Reese Hoskins just recently dropped in the, in the rotation as well. And, from the statistics that I looked up from the spot that he bats at now, he's bat he bats over 300 from that spot. Just all I'm saying is do something, damn it. More, like, where's the accountability of, okay, player one, you're not doing very well. Listen, I'm dropping you to rotation. Hey, player one, you ain't playing too hot. I'm going to sit you down for a couple of games and I'm going to let you get yourself together. Like, I'm sorry. I know we don't have, like I said, I know we don't have a real deep bench anymore because we're you know, we're riddled with injuries, but damn it. Let's come on. Let's do something. Do something. Joe Girardi. This is why I kind of put more pressure on Joe Girardi. And and then to make matters worse, to make matters worse, the defense on this team is still not being fixed. Accountability. What is Joe Girardi doing? Accountability. What are you doing with these guys that they're not, they're not fielding the ball. They can't throw to us. They can't throw a simple out. They can't, they can't catch a they can't, they can't catch a wide open fly ball. I don't understand it. I, I I accountability. Everything goes back to accountability. Or let's say for example, um, I forget what I now I forget what team they was playing. But James Agora bitched on the ball and he just sits there on the ground on his ass. Accountability. Yet and still the Red Sox. Yet and still, James Agora didn't get disciplined at all. All I'm saying is that's the number one issue. Accountability. Guys start getting accountable. Guys start getting penalized for things that they're supposed to do. Guys start dropping in the lineup. The light bulb's going to start going off. Start changing some things. Accountability. My thing is when a team's struggling on one side, uh, say offensively, the, the defensive side of the ball needs to improve much more, but you don't have players to do so. If they're struggling um, in the box, how are they going to be able to pick it up um, on defense over there, say in the outfield? That's terrible. You got Scott Kangry over there running in the walls. Um, and, and it's just embarrassing to watch some of these games. It, it really is. It's like a, it's like watching Little League. 
in, in some points of the game. Why is Aaron Nola starting a game where the where the Phillies lose eleven to three? Um, you're already out. You mentioned I hate you. Harper, JT, Gene Segura, and DD. And why now are our aces struggling um, to pitch too? And I mean, we were so high on Aaron Nola. Uh, we had confidence coming in the season, and he really hasn't been impressive. And yeah, it, once one side of the ball, like you're like a team struggling batting they got to pick it up on defense but now it's just both they suck batting they make mistakes in the in field so it's you're not getting any help as a team yeah look look defensively is is a good point because because i think that's where you know accountability of course is a great point so i think that's kind of where it starts uh upper management things like that but when you put the product on the field you got to expect that these major leaguers get the job done alec moment third base lead i think he's leading the league in errors i believe he's definitely leading the phillies in errors um, I think he actually has more errors than home runs this year as well, which is a huge issue. But I think when you look at JT behind the plate, of course, he's a stone lock and one of the better defensive catchers, uh, if not the best in the league. Reese Hoskins gets a lot of flack defensively. I don't think he's that bad of a defender. I've seen you know him bobble a few ground balls at first that eat him up a little bit, but he's he's done a hell of a job picking some terrible throws from third, especially with Boehm, to first base, and picking them out of the dirt. I think um, you know he's had his struggles at defensively, but overall he's pretty average. Segura is, you know, I feel like he has a talent. He's just lazy at second base. You know, he, his throws, the way he feels the ball, you know, it remi- you know who it reminds me of? A lot of Robinson Cano in a way where, you know, Cano is a Hall of Fame player, but, and of course you can't compare him to Gene Segura, but I'm just talking about the attitude, the way he plays, where it's almost like he doesn't even try. It's just like everything's like, oh, let me just, you know, pop fly, get out there, uh, you know what it reminds me of, Max? It it reminds me of in Little League when that kid is sitting there in the field picking flowers. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah, well, there's that too. That's kind of where he was, what he brings up, where he was sitting in the infield uh, watching. Just sitting on his ass. Then you have Herrera in center field who's been solid um, as far as, um, you know, offensively and and I guess defensively, if you want to make that argument. Go ahead. I mean, can't get much worse as a team defense than what they are now. But Andrew McCutcheon has destroyed this team at the top of the lineup and also – in left field has not played great defensively. Another thing with McCutcheon before I go off on a little rant here, I don't want to, I don't want to get crazy into it, but can you just throw the ball back into the infield? Do you guys see that when there's a ball hit to left field, he picks it up and he just stands there and he, and he like, wait, wait, or uh, now I'll throw it back in. Like he, like a runner the other day, I thought he had a legit shot of picking the ball up in left field. I forget. I forget. I think they were playing Tampa Bay and he picks it up and I'm thinking, Oh, Sling this thing to second base. This guy is trying to stretch a single into a double. We got to play at second base. Picks it up. You know, he's pump faking that. Oh, I'll throw it to Boehm at third. Just make sure. I think you got to just play a little bit more aggressive than that. And Bryce being out in right field, you know, we have Scott Kingery hurt. He's not an option. Roman Quinn's now hurt. He's not an option. Mickey Moniak isn't good enough. He's not an option. So you're really stuck with who? A utility man and Brad Miller out there defensively. Or if you want to run Matt and Joyce, who I don't even think should be in the league anymore, oh, but it is what it is. That's where your problem lies. When the team isn't hitting, you look at the you look at the categories right now across across the team. Reese Hoskins leads in batting average at two sixty five. He leads in home runs with eleven. He leads in RBIs with thirty one. He leads in on base percentage three thirty six, and he leads the team in hits with fifty three. You got one guy leading the team in all those categories. You really wish somebody else would step up and be able to help contribute. You have Andrew McCutcheon and Alec Bohm barely over the 200 mark right there. They're really flirting with that Mendoza line, uh, almost hitting under 200. And those are two guys that you thought coming into the season would produce at a high level for you offensively. We finally recently saw Joe Girardi try to make a change at the top of the lineup and move Andrew McCutcheon out of there. That still hasn't seemed to work. And uh, I haven't even gotten to the pitching yet. But when you have Vince Velasquez come in and you, you expect, oh, wow, Vince, five straight starts of him going, I believe, five or six innings or more. That's great. And then he comes in against the Reds yesterday and gets his doors blown off. So inconsistency. And I think when you look big picture this season, of course, they're 25 and 29. It's not over yet, right? It's not that, I mean, baseball is a thing where you play 162 games for a reason. But they better get this thing turned around in a hurry and try to get healthy or else we could be looking at one of the worst seasons in recent memory. It, honestly, yeah. and that's not, a, that's not a stretch to say, unfortunately. Um and uh, it's, it's another thing that bothers me that I wanted to bring up with you guys, and it, it kind of ties into my my little my little 
rant with Bryce Harper as well. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm attacking your boy, Max. I don't care. He, he's getting a part of this too. Um, oh, oh boy. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's getting, <laughs> he's getting it to the two. So, look, my thing is this. Why is everybody going for the home run swing? What What is wrong with just getting the first base? What is wrong with just getting a goddamn double? What is wrong with just putting up putting the ball in the field? I see so many shifts against this team. Why is there nobody practicing swinging on the opposite end of that uh, on the opposite end of <sighs> They strike out a ton, T. And, and I want to tell you the stat too. I want to I got to say they're this they're swinging stat. for the fences. I agree with you. The the Phils have played 54 games this year. I believe they've had 25 or 26 games where they've actually struck out 10 or more times. So they don't put the ball in play. Now, one thing, and I want to go to Tanner after this, of course, I want to see this team not only put the ball in play, but get the runners home. I think they've done a good job uh, for the most part of getting some hits, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten hits a game, uh, especially to lead off the inning. That killed us a couple. Uh, and I know we played the Reds the other day. That killed us against the Reds. We got a couple of guys, I think three straight innings, we got the leadoff guy on. I think it was a single one inning uh, and then two doubles. So you basically got a runner on second base, nobody out. I'm sorry, but that run has to come home. You got a runner on second base, nobody out. You got to move that runner over. The Phils have done a terrible job of getting the runners home, especially with you know, the little things, bunting, uh, sacrifice flies, You know when there's one out and a runner on third. They it's haven't stupid. been able to do the little things to push runs across, and I get it. In an 11-to-1 11, 11 blowout, those little things don't matter. But if you get those runs early in games, that could swing the tide of momentum in your favor. Yeah, look, we could keep going in on, on this Phillies team and how awful they are. I mean, the, the month of May has been brutal for this team, 12 uh, and 16 in May. And that's that's to say without, in the most part, Harper, JT, DD, Gene. But, that I mean, this team needs to get on it. Max, you're right. It's not... It's this team. They're not over yet. They still got a lot of baseball left to play. Twenty-five and twenty-nine. That's the worst season since two thousand seventeen. I believe they had nineteen wins at this point in the season. But on paper, and I keep saying this, this team is ridiculously talented. On paper, you look at it, this team should be playing much better. You're four and a half games behind the Mets. And not in a place at all that this team should be in. And is it Joe Girardi's fault 100%? No. no. I mean, this team isn't playing at the level they should be. Joe Girardi can't go out there and play the field. He can't go in and, 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 and bat. But he needs to step up, too. And I believe he might be running out of time soon to prove himself to this Phillies fan base that is so ready for a winning team. Yeah, I agree. I think he's – and, of course, he's got a lot of heat. Some of his, and again, when you're losing baseball games, every managerial decision you make in a game is magnified. Because if you're winning games, you make a decision that's pretty that that's wrong and it doesn't work out in your favor. Ah, okay, but but you know we're seven wins in our last ten games. You know we we won you know seven of our last ten. It's not that big of a deal. When you won three of your last nine, right, or or five of your last twelve games or whatever that, that or five and twelve in our last you know seventeen games, stuff like that's magnified. And when people you know, see losing baseball and they see, you know, the product on the field, not uh, where it needs to be. That's when the issue comes, uh, you know, even higher than what it already is. And that's where I think the problem lies. And again, it's one thing if it's like, okay, the, the pitching is there, but we're not hitting at a high level or, or, you know, the accountability is there. We're just getting bad luck. It's, it's a problem right now where everything in the, in the Phillies organization, even with Dave Dombrowski, who's made, you know, you know, some moves that have worked out, some moves that have not worked out. But if it, it would be so much of an easier issue to solve if it was one or two things to fix. But this is accountability. This is defense. This is bullpen play. This is rotational play. This is hitting, uh, getting on base even. You know, taking your walks and getting on base, moving the runners over. It's really all facets of the game right now that's causing the issue for the Phillies. And I think bullpen-related-wise, real quick here, Chase Anderson, David Hale, two guys that should that need to be cut. I'm, I'm sorry, they need to be cut and, and just and just put on the street somewhere, uh, <laughs> wow. uh, not in Philadelphia, Jeez. preferably somewhere in Montana, maybe that no one knows about. Wow. I hear you. Uh, They're in the mountains. <laughs> yeah, somewhere out there, somewhere. Just take them on bus. Hey, you're free. Go free now. Jeez. You need to go out there and, and find a different team. 
Um, but but at the end of the day, th- those guys aren't major league pitchers. I'm sorry, they're not. And I think when you have guys like that, you need to go out there and count on to to get outs for you. You're not you're not going to win too many games, and that's that's the problem. And I feel like with Wheeler, who's done his job this year, of course, but I don't want to go out here and start making excuses for these pitchers. But the way we're playing baseball games right now, mentally with Eflin, for example, and even Nola, because we've seen much better baseball out of Nola in years past. Do you guys think they're putting a little too much pressure, maybe extra on themselves every time they take the mound, knowing the offense is struggling and we're not going to score that many runs? I got to go out there and I got to pitch seven innings, you know, shut out or maybe one run ball. If you do, then you're not doing your job. Your main job as a pitcher, and that is just to go out there and play your game. That's all you can do. You go out there and you play your game. And at the end of the day, you, your teammates just got to pick it up. You can't worry about what your, what your team is going to do, what your teammates are going to do. You got to do your job. It starts with you. Do your job first. All right? And listen, and on the Aaron Nola thing, I, I never called him an ace. I never did. You guys used to criticize me all the time about it. I never was convinced that he was an ace. There were stretches where he had ace-like qualities, but an ace does it time in and time out. Now, if you want to argue with me and say who's been an ace for this Phillies team, it's been Zach Wheeler, unquestionably. But Aaron Nola, in my eyes, he's not an ace. Yeah, pitchers, pitchers struggle too, but not as much as Aaron Nola's been struggling. All right? And look, if Aaron Nola does have that thought in the back of his mind, then... He has the wrong mentality approaching the play. I can tell you that right now. Oh, by the way, for all the people that's been, you know, supporting Vince for last cast for the past couple weeks, saying, you know, saying stats and whatnot about how he's kept a low ERA and whatnot, let me tell you something. All right. Shut up. Shut the F up for life. Seriously. What he did, <laughs> what he did was absolutely horrific. That's the reason why I just I can't stand y'all when y'all be getting when y'all be supporting some of these non MLB players, man. Seriously, shut the f up oh, for man. life. Quote of the day. <laughs> I tell you what, it's it's unfortunate situation because here's the problem: you had to rely on Chase Anderson, and Matt Moore, so your options behind that really aren't too appealing either. But I will say this, and this will be my last point of the day before we shut down, or if you guys want to add anything real quick before I'm done. I will say this real fast. Baseball in Philadelphia right now, you know, you have the Sixers, uh, the hot team in town. Baseball, you guys know, is my number one sport, of course, so it hits home a little bit more for me. When a team's playing well, uh, especially in the middle of the summertime, you know, it's a place that the bank is popping. It's a place you want to go. It's a place you want to hang out, you know, have, you know, go with your girlfriend, go with your friends in general, anything, and then just relax and enjoy winning baseball. But when your team's struggling, you're playing every single day, 162 games. You're struggling this early on in the season. I mean, it's literally just June 1st. The game of baseball, I feel like, takes a hit, you know, as far as the future of it and right now. Where I mean, I'm not talking about the X's. I'm not talking about, I shouldn't say the X's and O's. I'm not talking about the product on the field. I'm talking about just the fan base, the people in Philadelphia. I feel like this is what hurts baseball because you guys both know baseball is kind of, in a way, a dying breed, so to speak. People don't want to sit there and watch a nine-game or nine-inning game on TV. They'd much rather do something else for their own time and flip it on when it's in the bottom of the seventh inning or something like that. Understandable. But for me, as a diehard fan, I like watching all the games, all nine innings. I feel like this is a time where you look around Philadelphia and, and just around the game of baseball. When your team's struggling this bad and it's this early on, you got to think if this continues to trend by the time, you know, it's Ju- July 1st, this, I mean, people tune out. I mean, that's the scary thing. I mean, your fan base, especially because you're going to full capacity, but if your team's you know, I guess if your team's 30 and 60, I mean, who wants to, who wants to go see that baseball team? And that's, that's kind of where the, the, uh, the issue lies as far as the capacity going to hundred percent. Of course, at first it'll be fun get out of the house, do something, but the game of baseball right now in Philadelphia, if this continues, um, it's, it's, it's going on a downhill trajectory right now. I'll tell you what tickets will be cheaper. I'll still be going to those games, but to steal a quote from a previous quarterback in this city, you got to give the fans what they want to see. <laughs> and uh, the, this Phillies team has not been producing. And it's uh, Max, it, you're right. It's going to get hard, especially for baseball. Such a long season. People really tune out. People have tuned out already. People what they I saw see. A, uh, yeah, exactly. I saw a headline the other day that baseball is just not what it used to be. And that's that's obvious. I know a lot of people that have never watched baseball ever. And um, for in the city specifically, when the sport is struggling as bad as they are to get views, and then on top of that, the Phillies are stinking up the joint, it's not good. 
it's not good at all. The, the scary thing is, you know, if they're out of this thing by July 1st, we're talking a month from now, you still got, you still got all of July, you still got all of August, you still got some September. I mean, that's like two and a half months right there of Phillies baseball that no one's really going to care about. That's that's what's probably the, the most difficult thing to stomach for us diehards over here uh, uh, my, in regard to. The mindset for me uh, is going to be just to, baseball. you know, get it to the Eagles, to be honest with you. They keep they keep getting it that bad. By July, my mindset is going to be on the Eagles and training camp. We'll see, Tay. I mean, let, let's, <laughs> we're going to pump the brakes. You know, I'm confident with the birds. You know, I'm 10 and 7 on the birds. You're the only again, one that's confident. <laughs> we could go from Phillies baseball being one of the worst teams in recent – I mean, we've had some bad teams. Don't get me wrong. With the Gabe Kapler years, Pete McCann and things like that. But, I mean, oh, yeah. this is hit or miss with the birds upcoming this year. We'll, talk, we'll get back into them next week. But it is definitely hit or miss. It can go either way. And I'm optimistic one. Um, surprisingly, um, after I went back through the schedule, I was like, wow, actually, I got 10 wins. I'm like, you know what? I'm sticking with it. I'm confident. Mm, yeah, you and, don't, uh, and then we'll you see don't. what happens. We'll get back into it next week, though. I appreciate everybody sticking with us this you, week. You don't only uh, you know, go Sixers, go Phils. Real quick before we do shut it down, I, I just have to say something. Um, y'all fans are stupid. I just want y'all to know that right now. These little instances in, that's been popping up, you know, don't turn for, us off, guys. You didn't, mean that. you didn't mean that. Don't turn us off. Don't turn us off. <laughs> no, 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 no. Turn, turn me up. Turn me up, dog, on it. All right, what is wrong with y'all? What? You guys are running onto the courts. You guys are spitting on players, throwing popcorn on players, disrespecting players' families. What is wrong with y'all? All right, you guys want another malice in the palace situation? Are you? What? what? Listen, just because just because you pay for tickets, that don't mean to give that gives you the right to be a, an asshole. Seriously, get your shit together. That's all I'm saying. I said my piece. That's fair, too. I, I think uh, the fans a little extra excited to get back into the stands exactly. and uh, a little bit. Cl- they want a closer they experience. To they want a closer experience than what they're accustomed to. Yeah, but you've been away for a year. You would think you would be grateful to have live sports again, and you guys are acting like asses. That, that's all. They've been be watching the too game. much tea. Too much TV today for the for the fans. They forgot how to act in public. Hey, come on, man. Y'all know y'all was raised better than that. You guys missed any of this episode, you can always go to philly-experience.simplecast.com. You can download our content on all platforms, all downloadable platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the entire Shabazz. Yeah. Um, I got to stop going on rants. Well, you know what? Maybe I do need more rants because for some reason when rants happen for me, the players seem to get themselves together. I don't know if you guys know. That's a that. good point. That's a good point. I'm just saying. So maybe we might see a 50-point game from Ben Simmons. Or Phil's going a six-game winning streak. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I guess we can dream, though, right? Yeah, you can dream, sure. It's not going to happen. Pull your head out of your ass! Quit yucking my yum! We know it's hard. You dumbass.